Welcome to What's Next? Chats with American Studies alumni. I am Sandra Rath, and today we are honored to welcome special guest Consul Emily Yasmin Norris. Originally from Boston, Massachusetts, Emily Norris holds a degree in public policy and international affairs with a certificate in Near Eastern Studies from Princeton University. In 2009, she joined the U.S. Foreign Service and has since served as Public Affairs Officer at the U.S. Consulate General in Surabaya, Indonesia, as Consular Affairs Officer at the U.S. Embassy in Cairo, Egypt, as Human Rights Officer with the Office of Iranian Affairs in Washington, D.C., and most recently as Assistant Information Officer at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan. She assumed duty as consul at the U.S. Consulate General Leipzig in November 2018. Emily Norris speaks Farsi, French, Arabic, German and Indonesian. In the episode, Consul Norris and I talked about her professional path and her most memorable moments from her posts around the world so far. We then spoke about the transatlantic relationship, where it's at and why studying American studies can help to sustain and grow this relationship. I also asked her about the value of studying abroad and the resources that she recommends to those thinking about studying in the United States. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, Consul Norris. It's an honor to have you on the podcast and thank you for taking the time also to speak with me and the association today. And first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you very much to you and um, the association for giving me the opportunity to speak with you. It's really a pleasure. I always um, love to, to, to engage with students and particularly with you know, we have a good relationship with them um, university in Leipzig. So it's really wonderful to have this opportunity. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so are we. Um, so this is a special episode because um, our main topic today will be the connection between American studies and the transatlantic relationship or partnership. But before we kind of dive into that question further, as this is mainly a podcast about professional paths, um, I would like to ask you some questions about your professional path first. Um, and the first question is, You graduated from Princeton University, so an Ivy League university, with a degree in public policy and international affairs, as well as a certificate in Near Eastern Studies. And what was it like to study at such a prestigious school? What was your favorite class back then? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I was very lucky to have the opportunity to study at Princeton University. It's an incredible institution with a... Uh, such great resources and uh, the history and tradition of uh, producing students who want to serve the nation um, and, and to, who've contributed in science and art and all sorts of different fields. And uh, I uh, would say my favorite class actually uh, was the philosophy of Kant, um, mm -hmm. which I took my freshman year uh, and it was a senior philosophy class And I, I didn't pursue a degree in philosophy, but I always like to think about my work and, and my life in, in the context of, of, of what is good and what is right and asking those fundamental questions. And so I, I really enjoyed 
that particular class. And of course, Kant happens to be a German philosopher, um, although I wasn't reading his works in German, thankfully. Mm. Um, but I, I love that class because it asks, philosophy classes ask the questions that are important in life. And, and it's important, I think, to understand ourselves and, and where we are in the world in order to do work in any field in order to live as, as good citizens in the world. So that would probably be my favorite class that I took. Yeah, yeah, that sounds very, very deep, very interesting. Um, and why did you decide to join the Foreign Service after graduation? Was that always your plan or did you consider any alternative career paths? Yeah, uh, so I actually had been interested in government service even while I was in, in university and I uh, studied at uh, the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs, no longer Woodrow Wilson School. Mm -hmm. um, they changed the name. But uh, I was interested in government service and in, in, in working in, in foreign affairs. And so I had applied for a program to do so regardless after graduating. And then I uh, applied for the Foreign Service in my senior year. And the Foreign Service particularly was interesting to me because I always loved traveling. I, I studied abroad even when I was in university. I traveled to visit my family all over the world growing up, and I loved languages. I, I learned all these different languages, and uh, that was part of the motivation for, for me to join the Foreign Service, because when you travel, you often end up representing the country, uh, representing America informally, right? And so in that way, I was able to do so Uh, more formally and actually do what I loved in, in it as my career, travel and see the world and meet people and exchange ideas about America and, and our role in the world internationally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can you tell us about your most memorable moment or moments from your different posts around the world so far? Yeah, I think some of the most memorable moments are the ones where I could really help people and Uh, I did consular work in, in Egypt as one of my earlier tours, and that was an opportunity where I really got to, to assist American citizens particularly. And uh, one of my favorite moments, I'd say, was uh, when I actually was able to secure the release of somebody who had been a journalist who had been detained in the country, American, and um, work with authorities to actually have that person released before they went to trial so that they didn't mm -hmm. have to actually stay in prison. And That was an incredible moment because I felt like I was really doing something uh, to, to help Americans overseas. And that's a major part of what we do in the Foreign Service. I think another of, of the most memorable and wonderful moments um, was I, I love public speaking and I love speaking to students, particularly because I think that there's an interest in understanding America. And, you know, America is much more than than what you see on TV or read in the newspaper. And so being able to speak to people and answer their questions directly as an American, as representative of my country, but also as my particular perspectives. Um, and so some of my favorite moments have been speaking in front of students. And I, I had the opportunity to do that in all of my all of my tours uh, and answer answer people's questions and, and be there to to provide a face to my nation. Yeah, I, I think that's really what makes uh, working in the foreign services, you know, being able to have those people to people connections. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more actually later. So, but first, can you tell us a little bit about your work as a consul in Leipzig now? What are your main duties and responsibilities? What does a typical day look like for you if there is such a day? Yeah, <laughs> um, 
So certainly, I think the best way to think about what we do here at the consulate in Leipzig, I, I kind of break it down into a few categories, right? Uh, the consulate in Leipzig is is our only consulate in former Eastern Germany, but it's been here since 1826, on and off, of course, but uh, since 1826, and we do a lot of things. But our particular focus is we do uh, people-to-people relations, so our cultural activities, our exchange programs, our educational programs, bringing musicians or speakers to talk about various topics, entrepreneurship, protecting the environment, um, security issues, that type of people-to-people relationship development. And we also work on the government-to-government level, so policy coordination or or explaining American policy to our our government counterparts here in Germany and um, making sure that, you know, Germany is, is is a dear friend of the United States. And so we like to coordinate with our German counterparts on a lot of policy issues. So we do that here in Germany as well. And, and, and from a consulate level, we do that at a more local um, local level. So talking about why our policy is what our policy is. One example would be uh, our security policy when we have, for example, NATO exercises or US support to um, other security exercises in the region. We work closely with the local government here to make sure, and with the Bundeswehr, to make sure that our troop movements are coordinated, our participation in these exercises is coordinated for the greater security of, of, of Europe at large. Uh, so we do that at the government level. We're trying to promote trade between countries, particularly trying to promote investment that goes between our two countries. So, for example, we try to facilitate if a German company wants to expand into the United States or an American company wants to expand here in Germany and they have questions about the process or we try to help them do so. So those would be the three main areas. And um, there is no typical day for us. Thankfully, it's one of the things I love about my job. It really depends on on the issue of the day and what we're working on, what we might end up end up doing. Yeah. And if anyone listening, I would just say that here um, is interested in this work um, and would like to intern at the U.S. consulate, they are, I guess, or I would assume very welcome to send in their application, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I encourage uh, students here across our, our region of Saxony, Saxony, Anhalt and Thuringia to apply for internships. So you can just go onto the U.S. consulate website and find out information. We're always looking for, for people who want to work with us. And um, uh, Sandra, of course, you are one of our <laughs> alumni as an intern, yes. so you can speak to the experience more directly. But we even do offer them virtually now because given mm-hmm. the COVID situation, we are making sure that we can, as you can see, I'm working from home right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are trying our best to make sure that we, we can um, protect our staff and, and maintain um, the, the appropriate hygiene measures in place. But we do still offer our internships, but virtually as mm-hmm. well. So I encourage yeah. people to apply. Yeah, and I do the same, obviously, as an alumna. It was such a great experience to work at the consulate, so do it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so another question would be, and that's a bit more of a general question, um, what qualities should people who would like to join the Foreign Service or are thinking about joining the Foreign Service and actually any Foreign Service of any country, for that matter, have in your opinion? Yeah, I think there are certainly, well, I know there are certainly uh, core skills that you would mm-hmm. need, right? And and one of them, of course, is analytic skills. We hope that, I know that all my colleagues are smart, and I, I know that my counterparts in the German Ministry of Foreign Affairs are smart as well. Analytic skills, uh, being able to absorb and analyze information and produce from that information 
recommendations or solutions to problems. So really being able to think critically and analytically about issues, whether that be a logistical issue or a uh, political issue or an economic issue or a um, legal issue, all across the board, those analytic skills are key. The second uh, skill, which is really, really important, is communication skills. It's one thing to analyze and understand a problem. It's another thing to be able to communicate those solutions in writing or in speaking or otherwise to be able to communicate across cultures uh, and to various different levels in a hierarchy and society, to governments, to media, whatever role you take in, in diplomacy, communication skills are very, very important. So analytic skills, communication skills, and I think organizational skills so uh, being able to manage things, manage people, manage resources, those are also very key because if you, it's one thing if you have great ideas for solutions, but if you don't know actually how to implement them and manage the resources that you need to do so, then it's not worth that much. So really the, the management and resources and organizational skills are also really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah interesting so if, if you're that person then maybe join the foreign service <laughs> um okay now let's talk a bit more about the transatlantic partnership or relationship and its connection to american studies and first of all can you tell us a bit about the state of the transatlantic partnership especially now that we have a new biden administration that's been in office for about three months at the time of this recording so where where are we at <laughs> yes uh I will say that the transatlantic relationship is strong and is able to withstand all sorts of uh, pushes and pulls on that relationship. We have such a solid partnership with Germany, with Europe on so many levels that often people don't even realize how deep that partnership is. And so the transatlantic relationship is strong and getting stronger. Uh, as you can see, the, the, the Biden administration, we're you know, coming up on 100 days, and that's a, an important marking point in the United States that we often take to sort of look back on what, what progress has been made since the change of administration. Um, but definitely the transatlantic relationship is something that transcends administrations for sure. But the Biden administration has particularly been focused on a couple of key areas that are really important, including on climate change. And I think that's a new area of cooperation that has developed. You just saw, uh, so at the time of this recording, about a week ago, we had the climate summit with leaders from all over the world, including Germany, talking about how we can rise to the challenge of climate change and prevent catastrophe together. And that's hugely important. That's a new area of expansion in the transatlantic relationship that's going to define our future as a planet. And it's incredibly important. There are also core issues that continue to, to to unite our two countries, security issues, economic ties, people to people ties, the types of things I was speaking about earlier. And those make up the bedrock of the transatlantic relationship. And uh, it's it's growing and it's strong. When we talk about, I feel like for those of us who work in it, the, 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 the concept of transatlantic partnership or transatlantic relationship is obvious, but I, I, I think it's important to really say what that means. And that means that Germany and the United States are friends. We are partners, we are allies, and we work together on so many issues, whether that's calling out human rights abuses in Iran or Venezuela, whether that's working to develop new technologies to fight climate change, whether that's you know, coordinating our, our, our security policy when it comes to um, defending Europe. 
or any number of issues. These, these are what make up the transatlantic relationship. So when we're talking about that, we're talking about the sum of many parts and many, many, many uh, connections between our two. Mm -hmm. And you've already touched a little bit on this next questions, but I still want to ask kind of what makes the transatlantic relationship? So how is it sustained? Well, I would answer that a slightly differently. I would say people. People make the transatlantic relationship because behind everything, behind every Amazon expansion, behind every BMW sale in the United States, behind every uh, Pfizer-BioNTech, uh, you know, uh, vaccine, there are people who work together on those issues. And those people make up the transatlantic relationship because they're the ones that push the issues whether they be government to government, you know, connections or whether they be uh, business to business connections or academic connections, professors doing a year here in Leipzig or professors doing a year at University of Florida, wherever it is. Um, those are the things that make up the transatlantic relationship. We have themes and ideas and concepts, but without the people, it would be nothing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And how can choosing an American studies program in university influence this transatlantic partnership as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the The pursuit of studying the American American society here or, or, or politics with the United States prepares people to be those individuals in the transatlantic partnership, to be the people who are building that relationship, growing that relationship, advancing it for the future to make sure that it's relevant and important going forward, that it stays strong. So I think studying American studies gives you a window into the United States. And particularly if you have the opportunity to travel to the United States and, and study there, or even just for a short um, informational trip to do that, to understand better, because America and Germany, we are partners and we are friends, but we are not the same. We have different ways of looking at things. And in order to understand each other better, you know, I understand Germany so much more having studied German, having, you know, read German literature, having lived in Germany, uh, having spent time here, I understand it better. And I can represent that better when I'm speaking to my counterparts in Washington, trying to explain why our policy should be a certain way. And the same goes for people who, who study American studies. You will understand the United States better and be better positioned to explain the importance of this relationship or to explain why things are the way they are or why they should change in a certain direction. I think understanding a people, a society, a political system is key to being able to, to implement the policies and changes that might need to happen in the future. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so are there kind of challenges right now in the transatlantic partnership um, if so, what are they, in your opinion? And how may we can American studies, um, or their curriculums or their students um, respond to these challenges? Certainly, there are always challenges in every relationship. You could say that even in every every marriage, every friendship, there's challenges, yes. right? Um, <laughs> and uh, I think some of the challenges I would say are, are, are issues where we diverge. We are blessed and lucky that in with Germany we can we can have tough conversations and we do have tough conversations. I'm sure you can list off some of the things that right now are eliciting tough conversations between our two countries. Mm -hmm. Our stream two, I think, mm -hmm. is one of them. And that really relates to the idea of, of threat perception. And I think the United States, we are trying to take a very strong approach to countering malign influence from Russia and from China and to really raise the issue of human rights and not decouple them from economic interests, right? To understand that, yes, we will work with China and we will uh, 
when we need to. But when we need to apply pressure, we will also apply pressure because what's happening in Xinjiang is unacceptable on any level. You know, the imprisonment of Navalny in Russia is unacceptable on any level. And so we see those issues as interlinked with some of the economic issues that sometimes here in Germany people separate out. And there is a way of of connecting those things appropriately and making sure that we are sticking to our our moral uh, principles as well when we're doing foreign policy. And uh, particularly by by leading uh, with the power of our example and not the example of our power in the United States. So we're working closely with Germany, even on these issues where we disagree in some on some levels about the the way that we would like to see them resolved. Uh, so yeah, there are certainly di- differences and divergences in our relationship, but because of the strength of the transatlantic partnership, we can have those tough conversations and hopefully come to solutions together. Absolutely, and and also as you mentioned earlier, you know, studying the U.S. and you know our connection will provide like a solid basis for for these discussions and for you know talking eye to eye about how we address our differences. So. Absolutely. Um, so what would you say, you already kind of touched on this, but what would you say to someone thinking about spending a semester or a year at an American university? How would you encourage them to do so? I would say do it. Jump on the opportunity. <laughs> uh, there is no classroom like the one that you will have outside the classroom when you study abroad. I say that myself, having studied abroad. Um, and, you know, I learned more walking down the street and having coffees with people and seeing things that I could have never learned in the classroom. I studied abroad in Egypt, uh, so different, mm-hmm. of course, but but it's still that, that experience of being fully in the society and the place, of, of getting the feel and the sense of a people in a society. And of course, the United States is incredibly diverse and different, and you'll have very different experiences based on where you are or what family you, ha- you live with or who your roommate is or, you know, all sorts of different things. But you will have a better sense of the country, the way uh, we think about things, the way we approach problems and solutions, the way our government system works, which is completely different from the way the German government system works. Although we are both, you know, our systems are rooted in, in democratic principles and systems and processes, there we take different approaches to the way that, that, that our laws are made. And, you know, understanding that firsthand and understanding how that works is hugely beneficial to anything that you want to do in in American studies and even beyond, because you will have expanded your mind by seeing the way another society lives. And I think also study abroad helps you as an individual, at least it helped me understand myself better, because you're taken completely outside of your context, your world, your, your home, and you have an opportunity to grow as an individual and to define yourself in new ways if you so choose, because nobody there is prejudging you. They don't know who who you are or, 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 or who you want to be. So you can take the study abroad opportunity as a chance to grow in yourself as well. Absolutely. Yes, I can. I have nothing to add. <laughs> um, and <laughs> can you recommend any resources for those looking to study in the U.S. particularly? Yes, certainly. So we have what's called Education USA, and that is a, a part of our, uh, of our embassy that is focused on facilitating study in the United States. So if you just go on our website or even on our social media or Google Education USA Germany uh, and you can find those resources and reach out to, we have education advisors there 
who can help get you started uh, in, in that process. And then, of course, for more senior academic programs, we also have our Fulbright program, which is uh, funded programs to the United States in various fields uh, for German. So we also have a Fulbright uh, program, and that's Fulbright Germany. So either through Education USA or through Fulbright, you can find lots of opportunities. Uh, and often uh, universities here do have individual exchange programs as well, but I, I don't know all the, the plethora of different uh, types of exchange programs that exist, but those are the ones that we, we do support and fund uh, from our side to provide resources for people who want to study in the United States. Yes, absolutely. And I think those are very, very valuable, at least as a starting point or even further. So absolutely. Um, so yeah, my next question um, isn't entirely altruistic and that is, How can volunteering in an organization such as ours, the American Studies Leipzig Alumni Association, support the transatlantic partnership as well? <laughs> yeah, 100% it supports the partnership in very direct ways, because as I said, the partnership is people. And, and so when you volunteer in these types of organizations, you are creating opportunities, opportunities like this discussion that we're having now or you know, a speaker program for people or attending an event that we have or sharing information about a cultural program. By being part of these organizations, you are building, you are the little nodes and connections that make up the transatlantic partnership. And it's hugely helpful because without that, you know, um, you, you, you can expand the network, you can reach new people and, and you can understand the issues and you can be a voice for promoting this partnership and this, uh, connection between Germany and the U.S. For, for the future. And so I think it's hugely important to be part of organizations like this and to create those networks of people. You never know what uh, what those networks will yield in the future. Absolutely. And I will use this as a as a plug to encourage everyone to, to join our organization. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So and if this is not something that someone might want to do, What are other ways that American Studies students and graduates can become active in support of the transatlantic partnership? Yeah, I think that carrying with you the perspective from American Studies to whatever field that you may enter. So maybe you will work for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and you, you decide you want to focus on, on the relationship with the United States and work in the offices that are dedicated to that. You know, that's one way. Or maybe maybe you want to work at DHL and, you know, you want to work on expanding how They do business in the United States and do or you want to work at, a, at BMW and you want to work at one of the U.S. field offices or you want to be an academic and you want to teach American studies or you want to be a teacher in middle school and you will teach English and you want to then say, okay, let's learn. Learning language is not just learning language, it's also learning culture. So what can we learn about the United States? So you take those that that lens, that focus with you wherever you go in your career. And that's what's incredible. If, if you choose to do it, if you want to be, you know, a partner in the transatlantic relationship, it doesn't matter where you are. It matters that you are a representative for the importance of that relationship, whatever your career field might be. And so uh, I, I say that that is what you could do on a very individual level is just keep that perspective in mind and understand, oh, let's look for opportunities to work in the U.S. or speak up at a meeting, say, oh, let me explain, you know, This is why the Americans do it this way, maybe because of this cultural understanding or this historical precedent in the United States. And it's different from Germany. So let's bring that perspective to our discussion. Yes. And I think that's hugely important. Absolutely. I agree. And um, my last question is one that we ask all of our guests, and that is what's next. And since you're a special guest, um, I would like to divide this question into two parts. So. 
first of all, what's next uh, for the transatlantic partnership and what's next for you and your professional path? Great question. So for the transatlantic partnership, what's next is I think a period of blossoming and growth. And, and, I, and I'm really excited about it. I actually say, I, before I came to Germany, I went to an event where the German ambassador to the US, Emily Haber was speaking. And she talked about how our relationship is like a garden and needs to be tended to grow. And that if we let it, if we don't pay attention, we, we take it for granted, it, it will suffer and we have to work on it. And, and I, I took that to heart and I think it's absolutely true. And I think we're at a point right now in the relationship where we are really focused on it and we're gonna grow it. We're gonna grow it into new things. Right. I talked about climate change and how we're going to work on climate policy together. We can talk about, you know, more coordination on our human rights efforts on in, in promoting diversity, on finding solutions for the future, you know, and and building beyond what what had been the traditional bedrocks of the, the, the relationship, which had focused a lot on security issues. And maybe we need to expand out to include new things, technology and climate change being one of them. So I'm really excited about seeing where this relationship is going to grow in the coming years and the sort of. Uh, attention and focus on it right now, particularly as there were recently changes in in in, in the leadership of the United States, and there are going to be big changes in, in in German politics in the coming years too. So we'll see what the new opportunities are that present themselves. But I know there are going to be changes, and and they're going to be changes for the good. And I'm really excited about that. And uh, in terms of my own um, career, so I will be finishing my work in Germany this year. And uh, like all good foreign service officers, I will be going to another country. So our tours are uh, several, uh, about three years in every country that we go to. So I'm coming up to the end of my three years in Germany. And my next assignment will be as the cultural affairs officer or the cultural attache at the US Embassy in Indonesia. So I will be going there for my next my next tour. And I'm and, looking forward to that as well. Yeah. It'll be very different. Yeah. Yeah different types of issues and relationships but it will be great yeah and you've been you've been stationed in indonesia before right i mean this is kind of a, a homecoming almost in a way correct i was stationed at one of our consulates in yeah. indonesia uh, very early in my career and now i'm going back to uh, a much more senior position at the embassy right. and so I, it does give me hope though that uh, in the future so i've been stationed at a consulate here in germany that in the future maybe i will come back and i will work at the at the embassy in berlin someday Yeah, we would be happy to have you back in the country, obviously. Um, well, thank you so much for your answers. I found, found this conversation very encouraging, very hopeful and positive for the future. And um, I hope our listeners will feel the same way. Thank you for speaking to us uh, and with us today. And yeah, have a good day. And I hope your, you know, your next career steps will be, you know, I wish you all the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope that this conversation was as, as fun for you as it was for me and as interesting for our listeners as it was for me. I, I, I look forward to continuing to do, be part of, of the partnership between Germany and the US. So wishing you all the best as well. Thank you again to Consul Norris for taking the time for our podcast. I've linked all information about the U.S. mission in Germany as well as internship opportunities at the mission and especially in Leipzig in the show notes. If you have any questions to any of our next guests, don't hesitate to ask them on our social media channels or via email. All that information is also linked in the show notes. Other than that, have a great day and speak to you soon. Bye!